Well, hey everyone, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael and I'm the college age and young adult pastor here at Blackhawk Church. Well, I wanna just greet everyone joining us, uh, watching us live stream. Thanks for being with us, really from all over Dane County, all over Wisconsin, all over the country and, and all over the world, which is incredible. So I actually wanna start by asking you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were just so thirsty, but there wasn't any water or at least any good water to drink? I remember a time uh, when I was a lot younger when my brothers and a few of our friends and I decided to go on a hike. So we were at the age where we were old enough to go hiking on our own, but young enough to miss a, a few important details when it came to going hiking on our own. So there we were on a trail in Washington state where I grew up. I mean, we had our hiking boots, hiking pants. We had hats, we had bug spray. We had backpacks filled with snacks. We had everything that you could ever need when it came to hiking, except water. <laughs> I mean, who would forget water, right? Well, apparently young teenage boys do, but at first we didn't even care about water. I mean, we were young. We thought we were invincible, like nothing, not even a lack of water could stop us. So we hiked and we hiked and we hiked and an hour went by, we were fine. And then another hour and another hour and another hour, hours into hiking, we noticed that the hot sun was now just beating directly over us, <laughs> a sweat was just falling uncontrollably down our heads, our tongues. Have you ever experienced that before? It was sticking to the roof of our mouths. Our breaths were becoming more shallow and more shallow and more shallow. But instead of turning back, we remembered that our dad said that at the top of the hike, there was this spring with water that if we were ever thirsty, the water was good enough to drink. So we kept hiking and we kept sweating, and we kept getting more and more thirsty. And just when we reached the point where, I mean, we were, we had a serious debate if we were going to take a big old drink from this big old like muddy puddle on the side of the hiking trail, I looked up and I saw it. The spring of water gathering the last bit of our strength, like we took off towards that spring. And when we got there, oh my goodness, it was just so pure. It was so beautiful. It was like this never ending spring of water. And it was like free for us to drink. We got on our knees and, and taking turns, we drank and we drank and we drank. And oh my goodness, it was so cold. It was so pure. It saved us because our bodies need water to live. I mean, it makes us whole. Well, here at Blackhawk Church, we've been going through a series called Take Heart using, uh, using John 16, as our anchor verse. And today I actually want to include the first part of John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, at the first part of the verse, there's actually this extremely important word that I want to talk about. 
I mean, this word is, is so important that each and every one of us will find ourselves desperately trying to experience, but more often than not, we'll have a hard time just truly finding it. It's the word peace. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you're honest with yourself, when's the last time you experienced peace? I mean, truly experienced peace. And what's interesting about the word peace is that a lot of us will have a lot of different definitions for the word peace. I mean, many of us will view it as as two sides that were in conflict, but now no longer are, or this feeling that we get when our circumstances seem to be going well. But whatever the definition could be, what's interesting is that the Bible defines peace differently than a lot of us might be aware of. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means to be made whole, complete. Think of it like as a puzzle. You get the puzzle pieces out of, out of the box and you dump it on this table and there's just all these scattered little pieces. And then when you uh, work on the puzzle, what you're doing is you're creating this completed puzzle. It goes from incomplete to complete. The puzzle experiences shalom. In fact, shalom was what followers of Yahweh in the Old Testament just sought after. I mean, the idea of shalom was so important to them that they would pursue it. But while they pursued it, they had this this hope that Yahweh would come and ultimately restore them, ultimately make them whole again, that Yahweh would ultimately give them shalom and there are a lot of different metaphors that, that we can find all throughout the Bible that, that talk about shalom and point to shalom. One of which, like one of the most important ones, one of the most powerful ones is water. You know, the interesting thing about the human body is that it's incomplete. It's not whole without water. I mean, we need water to survive. In fact, it's impossible to be alive without water. If we stopped drinking water, our bodies would just start breaking down until, well, you get the picture. But just like going on a hike and forgetting to bring water, we can't just go drink water from any source like a, like a muddy puddle. No, we need this pure, clean, good water. Oh, that's good. It's refreshing, satisfying. Some of you, you might be getting a little thirsty right now, which is okay because you're probably next to your kitchen. (laughs) But when we drink water, what happens is that our body experiences shalom, going from incomplete to complete, which leads us to a bigger question. Okay, so when we take a step back in our entire lives, like where do we find it? Where do we find this wholeness, this this shalom? Where do we find this peace? I mean, when it feels as if like our lives and our circumstances are like on this long, dry, uphill hike without any water to drink, like where do we go? What do we do? And it's at that point when we find ourselves asking those questions that we can actually turn to the verse that we're currently in because... 
it can be extremely helpful. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So where do we go? We go to God. Because like a a spring of living water, he is our source of shalom, our source of peace. And it's a free gift. But when we read the Bible, when we look at different stories, when we listen to different prophets, we'll realize that this is something that we've often rebelled against. In the book of Jeremiah, God said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, I don't know if you know what a cistern is, but just in case you don't, cisterns are these, these holes or, or pools that were especially popular in, times, uh, in, the, in biblical times. And now people would actually find a, a, a plot of ground and they would, they would like dig these, these cisterns and they would typically then line them with plaster so that during the rainy seasons, the water could, could be captured and kept so that during the dry seasons, they would have water to drink and to use. And while cisterns were extremely important during uh, dry times where there was no water, people would actually prefer like a well or a spring over a cistern because cisterns, the thing about them is that water would just sit. It becomes stagnant and dirty. And often the plaster would just break and, and the water would just leak out. But still, cisterns, I mean, they were better than nothing. But, but in this passage of Jeremiah, God is saying that, that, that he is the living water. He is the spring and he is never ending and he is a free gift. He will give shalom. And all that people needed to do was come to him to drink to go to him and he would provide for them. But they didn't listen. I mean, instead of going to God with open hands to receive the peace that he had to offer them, they took the matters into their own hands. They dug cisterns. They wanted to provide for themselves. They wanted to get peace from any other source that they could. So they would dig and they would dig. And it didn't matter that, that God, the, the absolute source of shalom, of peace, was flowing right in front of them. They turned their backs on it and went for the stagnant, muddy water, cisterns that would break and leave them thirsty again. Have you ever done that before? I know that I have. Grabbed a hold of a shovel to try to get peace from anything that I could, peace from anywhere that I could. And you know, I found that it's often more tempting to do that when it feels like we're living in a peace drought. 
Now, I kind of feel like, like all of us are living in a peace drought right about now. I mean, whether it's from fear of catching COVID to, to fear of a total economic collapse or, or maybe just the stress of working at home, being stuck at home, managing your kids at home. Maybe you lost a job or maybe you're afraid that you might lose your job. I mean, whatever it might be, things are not as whole as they used to be. Things can feel our circumstances, our situations, like we're on this long, dry, uphill hike without any water to drink. And for a lot of us, there's this anxiety deep on the inside of us, wondering when it'll ever end. Now, I want to be really honest with you. Anxiety is something that I, that I often struggle with. In fact, if I'm not careful, I can let fear and, and worry of what can happen cripple me. And what's interesting about anxiety is that I don't know about you if you struggle with it or not, but anxiety can just kind of rise out of nowhere like when I least expect it. For example, when I was writing this talk and I got to this part on anxiety, I started feeling my own anxiety begin to rise. So, so I called a friend and my friend talked me down. And later when I was looking back on it, I thought, wow, so I'm the type of person that can get anxiety just from writing about anxiety. All right, there you go. Or even just to call the moment out right now. I honestly have anxiety. <laughs> there is anxiety in me because I'm talking to this camera, which is good. I'm glad that we have this camera, but I'm talking to this camera instead of all of you in these seats right here. And I want you to be physically in these, seat, in these seats with me right now, but I can't control that. So in this moment, I have anxiety. Basically, hello, my name is Michael and I have anxiety. <laughs> but what's interesting about anxiety before this season that we're in and in this season that we're in is that uh, studies found that one in every five Americans struggled with varying levels of anxiety. But, but, but right now, during COVID, according to the American Psychiatric Association, one in every two Americans deeply struggle with anxiety. One in every two feel this deep shake, this overwhelming fear of having no control over what could happen. It's like you're thirsty for peace on this long, dry, uphill hike, and you don't know when you're going to get a drink next. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist, but, but people who study anxiety for a living will say that anxiety is often our body's natural response to, to a, a situation or, or fear of not knowing what could happen. And if that's you, if, if you find that your anxiety then is becoming out of control, I want to encourage you to just talk to someone about it. I mean, if, if you 
feel that like anxiety is becoming a little too strong or if you struggle with an anxiety disorder and maybe through COVID it's grown or not grown, whatever you, uh, situation you find yourself in, if your anxiety is keeping you from doing daily tasks or, or sleep, please talk to someone talk to a counselor, talk to a doctor. You can even visit Blackhawk's online care resources. Often just talking to someone or, or having someone pray with you, that can do a lot of good. I mean, I know, I know it has for me. My point is, don't go through this alone. But when we find ourselves in different circumstances where our anxiety just kind of begins to rise. When we realize that we're not experiencing peace, the temptation to go and to grab a hold of a shovel, to grab a hold of things that we can control or we think we can control and and dig our own cisterns becomes just all the more stronger than just releasing and opening our hands and coming to God for peace. I mean, Matt, he said this in his talk last week. Since quarantine started, alcohol sales have risen 55%. We're we're trying to cope with this feeling of anxiety. So we dig our own cisterns. Pornography views have risen up to 18%. We're digging our own cisterns. We're binging more and more TV, thinking that it's going to fill us. We're digging our own cisterns. We feel lonely. We feel stressed. We feel scared. We feel tired. We feel defeated. We feel a hole. So we dig a hole, hoping that somehow it'll make us feel whole. All the while, God is saying, put down your shovel and come to me. Your cisterns, they're broken. The water is muddy. It won't make you whole. Let me fill the holes that you have in your life. Let me fill the holes that you've been digging. Let me restore the drought. Let me bring you shalom. That's why Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is the one who gives us peace. In fact, when Jesus was born, the New Testament announced his arrival as the arrival of peace, that he himself is our peace. And when Jesus said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink, he was at this festival and it was called the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, the Festival of Tabernacles, which is also known as the Festival of Booths, is actually a really cool holiday. Some of us actually might have a few Jewish friends who celebrate that holiday today. It's, it's one of their favorite times of the year and it happens in the fall. So, With this festival, especially in the New Testament context, it was a time where using water as a metaphor, a ton of God's people would just gather for seven days. And they would not only just pray that God would provide water in the upcoming harvest year, but they would also just celebrate the promise that one day Yahweh would come and fully restore, fully bring them shalom. So 
Each night, they would just feast and then they'd celebrate. I mean, they went all in. People, this is where the party was at. And then in the morning, the priests would gather water from the pool of Siloam. They would uh, lead a procession up to the temple and then pour water on the altar. And then they'd watch the water flow down from the altar and go out to the people, signifying that promise that one day Yahweh would come and fully restore the shalom, their shalom, restore the inward and the outward drought that they were living in. And they did this day after day. They would pour water on the altar and then just party. They would pour water on the altar and then just party. Pour water on the altar, then just party. And I know what you're probably thinking right now. Cool, awesome. So let me get this straight. They would pour water on an altar and then throw a wild party. Great, sign me up. But hey, they poured water on an altar. We have social distance parties. So I guess take your pick. But on the seventh day, at the height of the celebration, man, the water was just poured on the altar. Everyone was celebrating and cheering louder than they had that in front of everyone, over all the noise, in a loud voice, Jesus shouted, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. That's right. Whoever believes in me As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The party stopped. All eyes were on Jesus. Jesus just said that that the drought is over. (laughs) That complete restoration, that complete shalom can only be found in him. (laughs) Which is good news, but but, but like, hold up. Just wait for a second, time out. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) I mean, what does it actually mean for them and for us to come to Jesus and drink? (laughs) It means that they and that we have a choice to make. Are we gonna go to our shovels? Are we gonna go to Jesus? When we realize that there's a hole, are we going to go to what we can control or to the one who actually has control? Basically, it's this question, what or who are you going to believe in? What or who can make you whole? Now, I want to be really honest with you again. Not only have I been an expert at digging cisterns, but because I have anxiety, I'll often find myself struggling with peace. I mean, I'll get what it means to have peace up here, but I'll struggle with experiencing peace in here. And I know I'm not the only one. And because of this, I will just, I will find myself just wrestling, wrestling to experience peace. And not only that, I'm a logical person. I mean, how can you have peace when it seems like everything is falling apart? I mean, how can you have peace when there are people around you that are getting sick and you're wondering if you're going to get it next? 
I mean, how can you have peace when there's this growing fear that the economy is just gonna crumble? I mean, how can you have peace when you're lonely, when you're stressed, when you're scared, when you're tired, when you're defeated? Like how, how can you have peace? But that's the thing about peace. You don't get peace through a situation getting better. You get peace through a relationship with Jesus because it's the relationship that produces the results. I want to say that again. You don't get peace through a situation getting better. You get peace through a relationship with Jesus because it's the relationship that produces the results. It's in our relationship with Jesus where we learn what love really is. It's in our relationship with Jesus where we learn what hope really is. It's in our relationship with Jesus where we learn what joy really is. It's in our relationship with Jesus where he teaches us what it could look like in different areas to go from incomplete to complete, from not whole to whole, until one day we will be all made fully whole. That's the promise that Jesus gives us. And today... Just because you struggle with anxiety does not mean that you can't have peace. Because peace is not the opposite of anxiety. In fact, anxiety might not go away. But we're invited to listen to Jesus's words, to trust what he says over what our anxiety is saying because it's possible that when we realize that Jesus is not only with us, but for us to experience peace. And why? Because he's overcome the world. And his current standing invitation to you, to me, to anyone and everyone is to come to him and drink. Are you thirsty for peace? And thirst, man, thirst is a powerful thing because water is a powerful thing. I mean, I'll never forget the, the moment I saw the spring for the first time when I was hiking. I mean, before, honestly, I thought I was a goner. It was going in my head that like, Michael, you might not make this. I was so thirsty. But the moment I saw the spring was the moment that I knew everything was going to be okay. I mean, yeah, I was still thirsty, but I, I was headed towards water. I was going to be made whole because the thing is, I was created to be dependent on water and I was going towards water. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing about our relationship with him, that we were created to be dependent on God and to go to him, to believe in him to have a relationship with him. And then we'll experience peace. And when we don't, it's like we're on this long, dry, uphill hike without any water. And some of us might not know any different because it's the only thing that we've experienced. And if that's you, that's okay. But when we come to Jesus, it's then that we get to experience what it's like to go from incomplete to complete, from not whole to whole. Now, I want to show you an example of someone who lived just like that, 
who through his relationship with Jesus had peace. And I also want to show you someone who didn't. Acts 16, 16 through 40 tells a story of when the apostle Paul was captured and brought before the local government. So it's an awesome story. I just highly encourage you to go and read it sometime later. But, but in this story, so this is what happens. The apostle Paul was captured along with his friend Silas, brought before just the government in, in this local crowd. And then they were stripped and they were severely beaten. And then they were taken and thrown into the inner cell of this prison where they were shackled to the ground without any food or any water or any light. And they were like that for hours and hours and hours. And at midnight, when most people probably would be asleep, they began to to pray and to praise God. And suddenly this violent earthquake shook the very foundations of the prison. And at the same time, all of the prisoners' shackles were released. All of the prison doors flew wide open. And then the jailer, the jailer woke up. And when he saw all the prison doors wide open, he grabbed a sword to end his life. But before he could, Paul shouted, stop, no, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. The jailer rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas and asked, what must I do to be saved? Believe in Jesus and you will be saved is what they told them. And he did. And later that night, along with the rest of his household, there were, he was baptized. So Paul was beaten and thrown in prison. The jailer was free and had a job. Now I want to ask you, who was it that had peace? Not the jailer. And an important thing that I don't want us to miss is that Paul's peace wasn't even found in him getting out of prison. In fact, his peace was so disconnected to his circumstances that he actually stayed in prison. His restrictions being lifted had no effect on his peace. Because Paul, in that moment, his concern wasn't even for himself because he had peace. His concern was for the jailer because the jailer wasn't the one who, the jailer was the one who didn't have peace. And more than that, the jailer receives life. The jailer receives peace, not from the miracle of the prison doors opening, but the miracle of the prisoners staying in prison. Now, I know that some of you are listening to this right now and you've never even stepped foot inside one of our buildings. I know that, that some of you are wondering about faith. You have deep, big, important questions, complex questions about faith. I know that some of you maybe used to go to church when you were younger, but something happened to turn you away. Whatever happened, wherever you could be, we believe that God is at work even in the worst possible times. And in this time, for all of us, we are invited to come to Jesus and drink. 
Because Jesus is the only source that can produce in you a never-ending river of life that's always overflowing no matter what you're going through and it's absolutely free. So come. Like going up to a spring on a long, dry, uphill hike. Come. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you're at, what you're doing. Throw down your shovel and come. You, me, all of us, everyone listening, the invitation is for all of us to come to Jesus and drink because Jesus is the source of our peace. Let's pray. God, you are the spring of life. You created us and you are sustaining us and you will sustain us. And God, I pray that no matter what we're going through, whether we feel dry and thirsty for peace, whether we've been digging our own cisterns, going to different areas to try to get peace, I pray that you can show yourself to us in such a real way and let us understand that in you, God, we are whole. In you, we have peace. Thank you for that truth, God. And thank you that you are with us and for us. In your name we pray, amen.